Hello and welcome to this edition of PYP Voices. Today's guest is Mark Schillito, a PYP teacher at the International School of Delft in the Netherlands. He's held various roles in PYP schools across Europe, including that of PYP coordinator and digital learning coach. But now he's back in the classroom alongside pursuing a master's in art education. Mark is a thoughtful, reflective and provocative practitioner who isn't afraid to break down barriers in the pursuit of learning. Our conversation explored art, activism and a touch of magic, but we started out by considering learner and teacher agency and how teachers can start to introduce the concept into their practice. I think it starts by, by thinking about you as, a, as an educator and what, what does the classroom say about you? So um, through the, my time in Berlin, we, we made a decision with a colleague that we're not going to have a, the, the fancy teacher chair in the classroom that's always different from the kids' chair. And we went to the extent of not having a desk in the class, so no teacher's desk. So immediately you're breaking down some of those existing ideas about what a classroom is. And it's interesting the response from the kids actually now. And like, why don't you have a desk, Mr. Mark? Why, can't you, why don't you have somewhere to put your stuff? And I says, well, I, I see everywhere. I don't have one fixed place. I work with you all. I learn with you all. We learn together. It's it's our classroom. So already having that sense of ownership over the space to the extent I had a new room. So we, we mapped out where we wanted everything to go in the room and we built the room together. So we have that sense of ownership over the space that we're in. So that, that was one starting point and one way that we could sort of break down a few of those existing roles and, and barriers and ideas about the role of, of what it is to be a teacher. And this, there's a quote I have by uh, Barnes. He refers to agency as the capacity to, of ourselves to act reflexively, meaningfully, responsibly, if not always effectively and efficiently. And I really like that last bit, mm-hmm. that it might not be super efficient. And we've, we've spent years and years trying to make the world more efficient, and it just hasn't worked. So maybe it's time to start looking at something a little bit different and, and dealing with the fact that we are quite inefficient at times, but that's actually quite nice. Sometimes getting lost is quite nice. So my first question would be, can you bring a moment of being lost in learning to life for us? Have you had something recently where you felt that that's really happened with your students? Yeah, early on this year we were looking at, um, one of our themes was how we express ourselves and we were looking at how poetry and songwriting can be a form of expression. And we actually started off with, with a song called Crystalline by Björk from the album Biophilia and she's done some really nice support material with Biophilia that you can buy in in an app that helps you engage science and music together. So we started off by actually listening to Crystalline, watching this beautiful animation and starting to build the stories that came out of that. What figurative language is she trying to get across? What is she saying? That, That moved into creating a line drawing together, a collaborative drawing, is have 12 of us together sat around a table creating this two-part drawing. We had this image of the, mo- the moon or a planet with all these emotions inside. I th- we sort of gathered in from the lyrics that Björk was trying to say. So all these, these emotions are dwelling inside you, but yet they sort of manifest as these crystals on the outside. Beautiful image, and this came from, from a couple of the kids. So this, this image that we, that we drew told that story. And from that, we were able to work with different materials and build up a whole bank of similes, metaphors, 
figurative language that would support other parts of being able to express ourselves. And then we moved on to, okay, so what would it be like inside a crystal? So as a sort of design, part design, part art-oriented uh, engagement, we, I got loads of canes and bamboo canes, and we built a crystal together. Minimal instructions, there you go. We know what sort of the, rel the shapes that are involved, the 2D shape, to create a 3D shape, build this crystal. So brilliant, unbelievable um, engagement, everyone working together to build this crystal. Then being able to sit inside it to imagine yourself inside a crystal, what would that feel like? We actually ended up putting um, cellophane all around the edge, so it is like it created these prism effects of light going through. And as, as the unit progressed with, with some poetry and inviting different audiences to come and write poetry with us, the poetry hung inside the crystal at the end and then you could actually sit inside. And there's some lovely moments with other, other members of the school community just sat reading together inside the crystal. It became this little safe space um, for them to work in. That story, yeah, it illustrated quite a lot of things in terms of different ways of being able to express yourself. It's looking for those little bits of magic and going with those, because quite often everything can become a little bit overwhelming and it's mm. noticing these these magic moments and what does that look like for you in in an inquiry what does that ongoing process of assessment actually look like or feel like when the students are being lost in their learning so this idea of lost in learning if you're constantly referring back to the central idea they actually always do actually have an idea of where you are but you might have gone deeper into things that you would have first imagined so that's the one thing and if that's a constant iterative process that you're going through daily, hourly, then it sort of breaks that idea of a summative assessment. Why do we need to sum things up all of a sudden? And this is for this for this reason for, for my grade this year, because it's our PYP exhibition year, I've always felt the PYP exhibition has been built up to be this big thing. And it can get built out of proportion. So what we decided together that we'd do an exhibition every unit. So it would it would just be another exhibition and we've had the opportunity to experiment with different modes of of presenting our learning and sharing our learning throughout that process we can lose sight of the fact that it's actually just a way of sharing our sharing our learning with an audience practicing that but also another way of building knowledge together and i think maybe that's the the nice part to sort of dwell on a little bit the idea of carrying on building knowledge together, but maybe choosing a different way of, of doing that. Mark had a lot to say about working within school systems, where there are all sorts of pressures like managing time and juggling curriculum outcomes. Our discussions turned to some of the ways that educators can build resilience to support their own agency within these systems. So what would your advice be to educators that are feeling the pressure of expectations coming from these systems that really seem to be in tension with that deep-rooted belief in agency? Find the colleagues that you can work with with that. I think is it, is it you, Macintosh, talks about jamming together, being like a jazz band, sort of. And I, I think essential elements to a jazz band is listening to each other play and using that idea of the jam together. So see your job as jamming together so you can do your own thing but you're actually listening to each other as well and finding that that band that crew 
that you can have these conversations with is super super important super challenging as well in in crunch schedules and with the opportunity sometimes where you don't see colleagues for days on end but finding those moments to have meaningful conversation about things like this one of the reoccurring themes of our conversation was the idea of teacher as activist the power of taking action at the root of agency and this is something that Mark holds at the root of his practice. But he wondered if teachers truly do recognise their power to act. I think I've tried all different levels now. As a young teacher, as, as being in a leadership position, as being a coordinator, no matter where, which way you look at it, there's always going to be a challenge, there's always going to be some sort of influential system that's almost controlling and guiding what you're doing. But I don't want to see agency as a myth. I want to think there is something in it. This idea of, of an activist, microactivist, that you're not going to change school. You might want to set up your own school and try something completely new. That's happening as well. There is quite a strong movement, particularly in the Netherlands, with that at the moment, the democratic schools. But you also might really enjoy being in the school you're in, but you just want to tweak a few things. So looking for those looking for those cracks that you can tweak and working with those is a form of activism in, it, in its own way. Being op open in your classroom, being really, really open, share what you're doing, invite people in, let them see, see it in action. And then if you can't articulate it, which I struggle as well sometimes, then at least people can live it and experience it. As our conversation drew to a close, I asked Mark about the strategies or tactics he had for teacher practice. And well, let's just say it's the little things that make a big difference. Taking the, getting rid of that silly teacher chair that all the kids want to sit in because it's a special chair. And tactics like getting rid of your desk, tactics like using every available space to display stuff. But it's, but it's meaningful display, not just overwhelming display, it's meaningful use of the space, moving the classroom constantly, using the floor space, going outside the floor space, going into each other's classrooms, tactics like that. I, I found those smaller things more meaningful this year, making soup together. It seems such a, an easy thing to do. But actually, if you do step back and see the amount of conversation and social interaction measurement, all those sort of things that come into that simple act of making soup together, but also what it's saying. We're here, we're together, we're going to make food together, we're going to eat together. So finally, Mark, I'd like to ask you if there was one thing that people listening to this podcast could try today in school, what would you recommend they try? That dialogue's not enough, that we have to sort of act together and act together as a community that might be with the kids in your class or it might be with with colleagues so you're arriving at school and you can have your, your normal conversations but it's thinking okay so what now what can we do about it how can we act together sharing something that you've listened to from from this conversation that we're having here and then thinking about taking one thing that you can act together maybe it's making tea together with your kids. Maybe it's having time to have a cup of tea with a colleague. We can plan and plan and plan and plan. Sometimes I think we just need to do stuff. It's thinking of these acts, I suppose, these actions. But it's all about taking action. Yeah, 
and not being worried about getting in trouble. (laughs) And that is a great way, I think, to bring our conversation to a close. A big thank you to Mark for joining us on PYP Voices and sharing his thoughts on agency, action and activism. Please do join us next time where we'll be bringing the PYP to life through some more educators' passions and practices.